And to me, it sounded like the new Cold War version of a State of the Union address that was given in 2001 when George W. Bush essentially announced the global war on terror. It felt like that kind of speech where there was a public announcement that the United States was going to wage this new Cold War on Russia through the pretext of Russia's intervention in Ukraine. You saw all of the flags and all of the blue and yellow that was being worn by Congress people, members of Congress, as well as just whoever was attending uh, that speech. Otherwise, it was quite startling. It was very troubling, and we need to talk about it. So welcome to the stream. Please do like the stream as you're coming in. Please do hit the subscribe button and then hit the bell as you're coming in. And also, if you are able, please do support my work at patreon.com slash Danny Haifong. That is how you support this show. Now, I'm trying to get the viewers up, so definitely like the stream. Make sure you're sharing it around, talking about it, uh, because... I have been streaming more often, boosting the algorithm as much as possible. And then when I'm not streaming, I am doing clips more frequently and spending a little bit more time on this. Now, this doesn't mean I'm not writing anymore. There is an article in the queue that I'm working on in relation to the racism and Western chauvinism of media coverage of the Ukraine-Russia conflict. And that should be coming out on my Substack in the next day or two. But it does mean that I do wanna pay more attention to this kind of work because I do feel like it is an important way to get out updates and live coverage of events that you just can't find on mainstream media and you definitely cannot find in just media in general, a leftist, a Marxist, a socialist perspective, an internationalist perspective on political developments such as these so welcome 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 again like the stream hit the subscribe button hit the bell for your notifications we are growing which is great there was a long time where it was just hard to get on here and yeah there was a lot of lag in the growth but now it is picking up and so that is great so continue to like this stream i hope i sound okay i'm try actually trying to keep the volume a little bit lower than i usually do so i hope you can hear me because Unfortunately, I noticed that sometimes there can be audio issues. I don't know what's going on. I'm not gonna be sharing anything, sharing my screen. I noticed that that can have an issue as, that can be an issue as well in terms of the audio on here. Something that I'm trying to still figure out. So yes, you're here now. So keep liking the stream, keep sharing it around, subscribing to the channel, and let's get started. So first I wanna talk about my initial reaction to Joe Biden's State of the Union address. I was only able to watch in full, and then I watched clips and did some reading about the second half, but I was really only able to watch the first third to a half of it live. And my reaction to the first 15 minutes was one of just utter contempt. Joe Biden, of course, was not elected on a peace agenda. He was not elected on a peace platform. Uh, Joe Biden has been a hawk toward Russia for much of his career. He's been a, a, a neocon hawk for all of his career. And it was inevitable that U.S. imperialism would escalate under his rule. There was not going to be any rollback from the Trump era, that there would just be a shift in how imperialism wages war abroad. And that is exactly 
what Joe Biden essentially articulated to Americans and all people who are viewing his State of the Union address. It was actually quite frightening and people should have been scared listening to the address because of the way that he was bragging for 15 straight minutes about how much he was going to essentially provoke and contain Russia through direct military support of Ukraine and through the starvation sanctions that Joe Biden is going to continue to place onto Russia. And he announced that he was going to have all flights to and from Russia, American flights, American Airlines, not the company American Airlines, but US Airlines, they were going to cancel all flights to and from Russia, which is a a very big economic move, a, a part of the sanctions regime. But to hear him brag and then to hear the chants of USA, USA, USA from Congress definitely gave me fascist vibes. I mean, this is something that needs to be discussed in this way. The way that Joe Biden so brazenly bragged about how tough he was going to be on Russia should be a pause for concern. And it just shows that this new Cold War is not going anywhere, no matter what happens in the Russia-Ukraine conflict. And an update on that, right, I, if you've been following people like Pepe Escobar and other geopolitical analysts who are following the situation closely on the ground, it is quite clear that all of this bluster about, and we saw it during the speech, this bluster about Ukraine in this heroic fight back against Russia is essentially just lies, right? Russia has a particular military strategy that is not being wrestled with or talked about because that would mean the U.S. would have to acknowledge that the adversary, quote unquote, this adversary, Russia, is actually strategically going about this conflict with Ukraine in a way that will eventually see results. And I do believe that it will eventually see results unless the United States decides and NATO decides to ramp up the escalations beyond just indirect military assistance and direct economic sanctions, right? I think that Russia has surrounded, it seems pretty clear that Russia has surrounded Ukraine and now it is going to place as much pressure on the Ukrainian government, on Ukrainian government as possible to force it to negotiate. And say what you will about that strategy, because there will obviously be costs, and those costs are human costs, and I do not support those human costs. That That is an unfortunate byproduct of war and the situation that came about based upon the developments that have occurred between Ukraine and Russia over the last eight years alone, but even further back. But nonetheless, that is the strategy, and this is war, and this is the reality of war. So back to the State of the Union address, because this is what Joe Biden was addressing, right? And he goes over and over and over and on and on and on about how the United States stands up for freedom over tyranny. It was American exceptionalism on steroids. He talked about the Ukraine coup in such an ahistorical manner, a complete lie. He talked about how six years ago, Putin rolled into Ukraine thinking he could take it. Well, he rolled in, I think he used the term, a wall of strength of the Ukrainian people. 
the that whole description is just inverse a complete inverse of the reality russia didn't roll into ukraine in 2014 there was a coup that took place a coup d'etat that took place against a democratically elected government that was simply considering a more balanced approach between the eu and russia victor yanukovych's administration and that is what sparked the unrest from pro-EU, and then we saw fascistic forces openly opposing Yanukovych and going for the gusto, going for it all, seeking the overthrow of the government, and that is what occurred. There was no rolling in. There was a response by Russia, which was to hold a referendum for Crimea, which is what Crimea wanted in order to admit Crimea into the Russian Federation and provide protection from and protection of Russia's naval bases in Crimea, but protection also of the people of Crimea, Crimea from what it exactly has happened since the coup in 2014, which was the civil war that was sparked. This far-right attack on Russian-speaking people in eastern Ukraine and the Donbass region, which has killed more than 14,000 people, most of them civilians from this region. That is what happened, right? And then the coup government took on a semi, if not fully fascistic form all the way into the elections of 2019, which elected a, a closet puppet of the United States and NATO, as we're seeing now, but someone who was supposed to reform all the corruption that came after Maidan. In any event, right, that's how Joe Biden talked about this. It was the United States standing for freedom, standing for these heroic Ukrainian people who are pushing back Russia. You saw the celebration of the Ukrainian ambassador to the United States who was in attendance, and there was the standing ovation. And then you see Jill Biden, Joe Biden's wife, hugging her, and all of this very staged emotion in order to bring about a shift in public opinion, this continued shift of public opinion towards support for all of these policies, the sanctions and the increased military aggression and aid uh, to Ukraine. So Biden talked about Russia's intervention as premeditated and unprovoked. He said this, premeditated and unprovoked. And this has been the narrative of the US media, the Western media, right? Russia is just in it to destroy the lives of Ukrainian people. It's trying to stomp on democracy. It is essentially just waging war for war's sake, for expansionism, for the return of the Russian empire. In this simplistic narrative and borderline racist narrative, right, because it's all about this Eastern kind of barbaric attempt to suppress and overthrow the benevolent West and the whiteness that it represents and all of the goodness that it represents, this simplistic explanation completely falls, uh, it completely falsifies the facts of the situation. He says, Joe Biden, that Russia rejected efforts at diplomacy. I seem to remember Joe Biden not too many months ago meeting with Vladimir Putin, talking to him and saying, no. We're not going to listen to you at all. We're going to continue to militarize Ukraine, give them weapons, and we're going to continue to say that Ukraine can choose to come into NATO if it wants to, and wink, 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 you want to, right? We're going to continue to interfere 
in Ukraine's affairs. We don't care what you say. And I, I think I remember Russia not too long ago, less than, you know, within the last month, giving specific proposals and requests both to the United States, to NATO, saying, this is what we want. We want to negotiate over the demilitarization of Ukraine and the potential admission of Ukraine into NATO. We see those as red lines, right? We need those to be respected. We need Ukraine to be neutral and not be in NATO. It cannot be an adversary to Russia. It cannot be a staging ground for NATO missiles, potentially nuclear weapons. It cannot be that. It also needs to demilitarize because of the civil war that's right upon our borders, and it is getting worse and worse and worse, right, as more weapons pour in. It seems that that happened, but Joe Biden completely ignored it and used the most crass Cold War propaganda, new Cold War propaganda to frame the situation as Russia rejected diplomacy. This is absolutely incredible, given that the United States has never engaged in diplomacy in its history. Real diplomacy, not talking about being forced to because, let's say, the Vietnamese are kicking your ass, right? Not because of that. Not because the United States now has to sit at the table with the Taliban because the Taliban are taking large sections of the country and defeating U.S. occupation forces. No, I'm talking about real di proactive diplomacy. The United States does not engage in that. The United States is, oh, if the United States is waging war simultaneously with diplomacy, then it's not diplomacy. And that has been the case throughout the United States' history. So to hear Joe Biden blame Russia and say that Russia is the one that's not negotiating diplomacy when Russia has actually been a pretty big force in diplomatic efforts worldwide in many different conflicts using the UN Security Council in very principled ways. Whatever you think about internal Russian politics, the Russian government, Vladimir Putin, one cannot deny that Russia is a leading power in the development of a multipolar world. Can't deny that. Russia and China, that partnership is the vanguard of the multipolar world. It is because they're huge countries hugely influential economically, politically, and militarily. And it should come as no surprise why countries like Venezuela, Cuba, countries in Latin America, countries in Asia, why they support Russia. They're not coming out against Russia. They're not say, condemning Russia. And they're not cutting off ties with Russia. Actually, many of these countries from Syria to Venezuela supported Russia's decision to recognize the breakaway republics of Donetsk and Luhansk. That's the reality. That's the way that the world is being divided based upon uh, a different visions for how international affairs, global politics, and the management of conflicts and contradictions worldwide. Uh, that's how the world is being divided in this multipolar way, where you do see uh, multiple poles from blocks of countries that want to see diplomacy, international law respected to the United States, which believes itself to, to be international law, to even Europe, which is very conflicted, mostly a junior partner to the United States. But also you can see the huge conflicts of interests that are, that are occurring as Russia becomes more and more isolated economically. There's going to be a breaking point, and it'll be very interesting to see where that happens. But nonetheless... 
now that you're here, continue to like the stream, continue to subscribe if you haven't yet, and we'll keep going. So Joe Biden was bragging about isolating Russia and supporting NATO allies. And the funny thing is, is that, and this is a position that Bernie Sanders takes, and I, and I think it's just completely and utterly criminal and hypocritical. And this should give one pause for anybody who still stands for Bernie Sanders. And look, I'm not trying to be demagogic and say you should hate Bernie Sanders for the sake of hating Bernie Sanders and dismissing whatever correct things he may say on domestic his domestic agenda. We should also talk about how his, he has not been a leader that can sustain a movement which can actually bring about that agenda. He's not really about that. He is still about politics and his political career. But nonetheless, if we just look at how he reacts to foreign policy moments like this, to international moments of crisis, then we should be really pausing if we still stand for someone like Bernie Sanders, because Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden share the exact same view. And this view was articulated in the State of the Union address when Joe Biden was bragging about inflicting pain on Russia and isolating Russia and enforcing powerful economic sanctions and taking the oligarchic wealth of Russia. And I find this to be so utterly hypocritical and just the nastiest russophobia because it plays upon people's very amateurish and immature understanding of Russia. Think about this. Think about the United States telling the world, telling masses of people, telling its own public that it is waging a crusade for the Russian people to take through sanctions the economic wealth accumulated by Russian oligarchs. Think about that. Just think about what that means. It means the United States is now almost framing its warmongering and strangulation of Russia economically as a class war. It is saying that it is on the right side of a class war, that it is democratizing wealth, and that it is usurping wealth stolen from the Russian people. This is what Bernie Sanders says. I find this to be absolutely criminal given the fact that the United States is the most heinous and most exploitative capitalist system on the planet. There is no place in the world that both has such an extreme level of inequality and levels of class exploitation and the military and economic supremacy to enforce a global order of inequality and exploitation. Russia is not in that position and surely, if anybody knows about what has happened since 2001 in Russia, you understand that actually conditions have improved to a degree in Russia under Vladimir Putin. It's not a worker's state or a worker's paradise. And surely we can see that the effects of sanctions, as well as the impact of Russia's continued allegiance to capitalism as a system, has had negative effects on the conditions of poor people. But there are there is no comparison between today's Russia and the Russia of post-Soviet 1991 into 2000. There's no comparison because it was shock therapy that completely leveled and privatized the entire Russian economy and created such a level of crisis that 
it was Vladimir Putin who came in through the United Russia Party to stabilize the situation. And that's what has happened. The exact opposite has happened in the United States, right? There has been no, not even a slight improvement in living conditions. Things have gotten worse. And we'll talk about that in the second half of this analysis. But nonetheless, you have Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden and lockstep agreement that we should be bragging about starving Russia and taking the oligarchic wealth of Russia and Putin, supposedly. And Bernie Sanders erroneously claims that Putin is richer than Bill Gates and Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, pardon me. That's an erroneous claim with absolutely zero evidence, right? We don't see Vladimir Putin on the Forbes' list of the richest individuals or Oxford's list of the wealthiest individuals. We don't see it because there is no reliable data on that. And given the size of Russia's economy, I doubt it. <laughs> I highly doubt it. So this is just how far Joe Biden and even someone like Bernie Sanders will go to demonize Russia and to act like the United States has some kind of claim, moral claim to wage a crusade that is somehow going to benefit the Russian people. Sanctions inherently hit people. They inherently hurt people. They kill people in the thousands upon thousands around the world in places like Venezuela. We already see that Google's ban of its services in Russia is already affecting Russia's transportation system, right? And there's an interesting analysis that I engaged in and others like Carl Zha that this would never happen in China because the Great Firewall allowed for independent institutions and companies to emerge that are unfettered and untouched by U.S. finance and the ability of corporations to just pull out whenever they want. So like WeChat and Alipay, you'll never have this problem in China. Ch Chinese people, there would be no sanctions available to the United States, NATO, Western powers that could impact Chinese society in this way. And that is part of the contradiction between capitalism and socialism. But nonetheless, bragging about Russia's pain, saying that you're going to take oligarchic wealth just recently, right, in the new year. What did Joe Biden do? He froze the assets of Afghanistan, stole them, and said, and this happened with Venezuela too, through gold. I think it was UK that did that, but with the US's blessing, of course. But in Afghanistan, right, I think it was somewhere, what, $7 billion, something like that, stolen from the people of Afghanistan and then said, oh yeah, we'll give it back in humanitarian aid and we'll give it back and we'll, uh, you know, take the rest and, you know, support internal politics, NGOs, whatever, right? It's like the United States literally loots the wealth of countries like Afghanistan, starves them into the most extreme forms of poverty, and then has the gall to say, has the audacity to say that it is on some kind of crusade to take Russia's oligarchic wealth back and redistribute it to the people. I found that to be one of the most egregious claims of the State of the Union that just harkens on how far these sociopathic neocons will go to justify its interventions, its military interventions, and its imperialist aggression. So the funny thing about this, I laughed at this, right? All this bluster about we're supporting NATO, 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 we're supporting Ukraine, we're supporting Ukraine. And then Joe Biden says, 
U.S. forces will not be going to fight in Ukraine. <laughs> All he could say was, we will defend NATO allies. We will defend NATO allies. We will not defend Ukraine. So the United States, Joe Biden, in this speech said he will protect NATO countries. And Ukraine's not in NATO, right? So this is hilarious. Ukraine isn't valuable enough. It isn't valuable enough to wage a, a ground war or a no-fly zone or anything like that to protect it, quote-unquote, from Russia. No. And this is what's hilarious is that you have a puppet like Volodymyr Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, begging for NATO membership and EU membership. And, oh, please, 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 please help us. Help us, my overlords. And they're literally telling him to his face that they don't care if they you know, in their minds, all the propaganda, they're saying that Russia is on a mad slaughter of the Ukrainian people, but eh, we're not going to help you directly. We'll just, we'll throw some weapons at you and we'll, we're going to protect our Latvian friends, our Estonian friends, our Lithuanian friends and, and be, you know, you'll be okay. And Joe Biden said this to, to Americans, to the public. He said many times, I got your back. We're going to be okay. Right. So this is how cynical this all is. This is how absolutely laughable this can be. And, and laughable in the sense that sometimes you got to laugh to keep from smashing something because the criminality is just so evident. And Joe Biden's administration will go down, no doubt. We're only, what, less than two years in? Less, barely a year in, a, a little over a year in? His administration will go down as one of the most criminal administrations, given that he has not only inherited all of the baggage from past administrations, but he is actually piling on the baggage and telling people in the most, and I'm not going to use the word demented because I'm a social worker. I used to work with older people, so I don't use that word, but he's doing it in the most cognitively distorted ways, right? And I don't know if you all caught it, everyone. But he had some gaffes in there that I would show you. But, you know, I don't, I don't really care that much. But he, he said during it, and there's a funny thing going around social media of Kamala Harris in the background. But he confused Ukrainian with Iranian. So he said, oh, we're going to protect the Iranian people or give them all of our, uh, the Iranian people our support. But he really, he meant Ukrainian. And you see Kamala Harris in the background. Some people have been zooming in. And you see her correcting him in the background through her lips it's just one of those moments that just shows that not only is the u.s ruling class at a stage where it's at its most desperate and most oppressive therefore but it is also at one of its most incompetent moments where you have joe biden who they did a lot probably to get him to give this speech and as articulate as he gave it, but even with all of the assistance, medically, probably, he was still unable to avoid pretty big gaffes, if we're going to call them that, like confusing Ukrainian with Iranian. So <clears throat> nonetheless, Ukraine isn't valuable enough for U.S. protection, at least direct protection that would prevent the so-called Russian horde, quote unquote, from attacking it. So 
he framed all of this in this battle between autocracy and democracy and that this iron will of the Ukrainian people will prevail against Russia and we're all in, but actually we're not in that much because we're just going to throw weapons to our NATO allies and they can do they can do the work. They can protect themselves. They can figure out that refugee issue. And I'll send Samantha Power over there to uh, eat, eat, eat lunch and provide food to all of those refugees that uh, we're not going to really help. And we're only going to admit the white ones. But uh, we'll, we'll throw some, I don't know, some days old chicken or something at them and everything will be okay. I mean, that's, that is how disrespectful the United States is to even its so-called allies, right? The United States is the hegemon. And Joe Biden showed how arrogant this hegemon can be. That has no interest in diplomacy. All it cares about is this larger vision for containing Russia and also China. And Ukraine be damned. Ukraine is just a vassal state. Whatever happens to Ukraine, it only cares about, the United States only cares about that Ukraine will remain in the U.S.-NATO camp 